Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 50, Keys to Personal Productivity, featuring Eric Fisher from Beyond the To-Do List. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. Most of us don't have the luxury of only being leaders. We need to get work done personally as well as through other people. And whether we're getting things done ourselves or through other people, we need to maximize our productivity. Eric Fisher is the host of Beyond the To-Do List, a hugely popular business podcast about managing time, prioritizing tasks, and avoiding burnout. He's been studying the topic of productivity and talking to many experts and practitioners since that podcast started. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Eric, I want to get into some of the trends and principles that you've seen through all the interviews you've done with experts about personal productivity. But first, I want to talk about your show. It's called Beyond the To-Do List because, well, tell us why. Why did you choose that name? Because I wanted to not just talk about productivity in the traditional sense of people saying, well, okay, how do you know what you need to do on your, you know, list, what, what apps are you using and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to get beyond lists and calendars and methodology so much as talk to people about, you know, where have you failed in the past? How have you learned from it? How have you moved forward? And so I set out to interview people that either I knew had done that or that I looked up to and, uh, that I admire their work and wanted to know how do you do the good work that you do? Yeah, it it basically says that there's a lot more to being effective than simply being efficient and productive, that to make a difference with your work is what's most important, and that that certainly requires more than just a to-do list. Definitely, yes, for sure. Now, it's interesting to me that one of the questions that you often ask your guests is how they start their ideal day. We know that every day we're not necessarily in a perfect world, but when you you sort of like to start at the beginning and every each new day is a new beginning. And I, I think that's a great way to just frame up a conversation. So before we get into some of the principles that you've learned and found effective and, and heard from others, how do you start your ideal day? Definitely not how I started it this morning. However... <laughs> That's kind of the point right there is is you want to name or write down or you know state for a fact what your ideal day or what your goals are because you're not just going to fall into a routine. You have to actually de- be decisive about it and intentional. And so yeah, like this morning I I woke up at about 4:40 but that was not because I set an alarm or even an internal body clock. It was because my son was sleeping in my bed somehow and he'd been <laughs> up in the night and woke me up and I was like, oh, it's almost five. Well, I'm awake and everybody's displaced out of their beds tonight or from from that. So let's figure out what I'm going to do. But luckily I can say this. I did have a good attitude. I was like, oh, well, I'm up early. What am I going to do? And But in an ideal situation, I'd get up probably about five 
and that's when I can get me time. And I will either go read or do some writing or just some thinking. People underestimate that it's important to just sit and think or even just sit and be silent. And coffee is usually involved, some kind of coffee <laughs> or even oftentimes, as I've heard, is a really good thing to do. And I've done it and it, it does help is to literally take one of those 16.9, I don't know why 0.9, bottles of water from the fridge, especially in the summer, and just down the whole thing and instantly like hydrate. It's really good for you. So I'll do that. I'll I'll hopefully go do some exercise and by about that point, if it, by about, you know, six to six thirty, if people aren't up yet, I'm, I'm trying to make maybe uh, breakfast for my family so they, they can get ready and I can get ready and and then get off to work. But, yeah, doing those things and kind of re-evaluating, refocusing, OK, not what am I going to do today, but why am I doing the things that I'm going to do today? It's because my family is important, because I have a mission in life, because I know what the things are that I'm going to do today, regardless of what they are, because I'm, and I'm not thinking about them because they're at work. Um, yeah, I'm probably not checking email. I may check Twitter. I may, you know, say, Hey, I'm up, I'm doing this. Hey, how are you to some other people that are also up that early just for <laughs> encouragement, encouragement and accountability's sake and, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I kind of, right now I'm in a more loose time. It's been, I just got off a of vacation having two weeks off work and other things. And so it, it's, it's, I'm in a transitional point, but that's ideally is to refocus, recalibrate and really kind of prepare for not necessarily knowing what's going to come at me for the day, but be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Now, after conducting dozens of interviews about personal productivity, are there any common themes that you've seen? There's definitely been some common themes. I know for a fact that one of them that really sticks out to me, in fact, it's something that I'm actually working on writing a book to be published on Amazon with a friend of mine, Jim Woods. We're working to write, it's like a three-volume thing on productivity. The first theme is actually goals and priorities because – if you don't have those, if you don't, if you're not deciding to go anywhere or do anything, then none of it really matters. Like if, if you don't have a direction, then you're not going, you know, movement is really getting you nowhere anyway. You're just moving around in circles. So, uh, that's one of the themes that I've seen. Another has been, um, to have a routine to, you know, hustle in the margins like I just kind of described a little bit, like there was a point in time where when I would get up in the morning, part of my ideal day was literally to sit and knock out a couple, you know, maybe a thousand words of whatever it was. And so that's easily more easily done when you can fit that in. Now, now 5 a.m. is maybe not perfect for everybody. However, there is uh, evidence and studies that show that, you know, if you have a tank of willpower, so to speak, you're going to have more of it first thing in the morning than if you try to do it at night. However, some people are night owls. I, I, I grant that I'm not always one or the other, but, uh, and another theme would probably be time and energy. Another one would probably be some, somewhere along the lines of distraction and focus. Mm -hmm. So th those have been kind of, those are the ones that, that Jim and I are writing the volumes of our three volume set on. 
it'll be available in about a month or so. That's interesting. One question I have, as you've been looking at the the time and energy question, is whether the energy part, is that something that is, you think, pretty consistent of an issue over people's career? Or is it something that maybe the 20-somethings just energy just is second it just comes naturally and it's really until you not until you get to middle age and beyond where where you really have to start managing your energy well i think that you do need to manage your energy no matter what i think i know for, like for example you can remember being a high school student who didn't want to get up out of bed and go to school right mm-hmm. i mean that's just a general i mean either because you stayed up too late or you just you didn't want to get up you wanted you needed more sleep and you know so no matter what age we are, our or what time of day it is, like we we go through rhythms or waves of focus, and and I'm not going to even pretend to assume that it's the same for everybody, but I can say that you know, for example, I know what my cycle is, and that probably some of my most able to focus or best times for me to sit down and really hit something hard with some focus and hammer something out is probably going to be between the, you know, 8.15, somewhere in there to about 10.30 range. And past that point, I probably shouldn't be doing that anymore because I won't be as effective. And so it really is more about gauging um, and monitoring, you know, oh, well, how do I feel at this time of day? And in a normal circumstance, that is, you know, do you feel like you're falling asleep at about 2.30 in front of your laptop mm-hmm. most days? Maybe there's a reason for that and things like that. And and so there are tricks and tips and, you know, like Pomodoro method and other things like getting up and taking a walk or getting coffee. Coffee seems to be one of the, the common <laughs> aids there. <laughs> And you can use those different aids, but you can you can optimize using them once you know what your best times of day are, what your best – even what best times of week are. I mean there are times where, oh, Thursday drags on like we're recording mm-hmm. today. And other days it's, oh my gosh, it's Thursday. I get to go do this with this person and I have this this standard meeting and that's a fun one and you know different things like that. So I mean it really is – about kind of gauging you. I mean, it's it's kind of like a marathon. It's a productivity marathon, and you know, you train for it, and you look to see when are the best time. You don't want to burn yourself out right away, but you'll only know where your your hit hurdles or pitfalls are by monitoring you and being a student of you. So, yeah, it's interesting that certain activities that I would perhaps dread on some days, I actually look forward to on other days. For example. Uh, I I like to do most of my short reading on Friday mornings. Um, I the, for some reason that it de-energizes me to be reading blog posts all week long. So I tend to I do I look forward to that on Fridays. It kind of kicks off my weekend. And the same thing with uh, I do one long workout a week. I do some shorter things during the week too. But as far as exercise, I do one long workout, and for some reason, that feels great on Fridays. I, I, I sort of get it out of the way um, before the weekend. I actually enjoy it. But if I were trying to do that on a Monday when I'm really trying to get momentum for a week to take a, a big chunk of time like that away to exercise and to read uh, just feels completely defeating. 
Yeah, exactly. And what you're really talking about is awareness in the sense of being aware of what your physical body and even your mental capacity when they're most optimal for certain tasks. And that's really what I say, what I mean by, you know, managing your energy. We hear a lot about time management. We don't hear a lot about energy management when it comes to productivity. No, but I am starting to see more of that. Yeah, me too. When you talked about those kind of big principles, one thing you didn't mention was the idea of delegation and how if it if it is something important to be done, but maybe you're not the, the best person to be doing it, it's not the best use of your time, uh, and what are some strategies for getting other people involved in the decisions or in the work? Does that come up much in your conversations with people? Not necessarily, because I think, again, I think it lends more towards being about the individual, but that is something that I should probably start to figure out if there's some place in, uh, I probably ought to have somebody on who that's something that they could really talk to or speak to. So Mm -hmm. that's a good idea. How about misconceptions? Have you uncovered any misconceptions about productivity? I would say that you have to say yes to everything. I think if people ask you to do things, you should want to do them or you should say yes to them if you want to do them and you can do them. But if either one of those don't work, I think you should feel free to say no. Hmm, Not easy to do. (laughs) Yeah. And and again, it's it's also going to have to do with expectation. You know, for example, maybe I don't want to do something, but I have to do something because it's for my wife or for work. So I'm probably going to say yes, but I'm going to, you know, say yes a little less uh, freely. But if it's a yes that I want to do it and, and see, there's the thing, there's the rub right there is. Oh, it's for my wife or, oh, it's for my job and I, and I want to keep my job. So it's a yes. <laughs> or, or I want to please my wife. So, oh, okay. I can change my mind. I want to do this as well as I have to do this. You know, saying no though is, it's just such an important thing. Like as I've learned to have more, um, restraint or a better, better word is this, as I've learned to create certain boundaries dictated by my priorities, I feel a lot better and I feel less, I mean, I still feel bad, but I feel better about saying no, less guilt is there and less, less guilt is involved because I know that I can't say yes to everything. So the things that I am going to say yes to are going to be those things that are really important and really align with my priorities. So I think that's one of the misconceptions. Um, I think another one is probably the fact that, you know, we, we try to, we try to be more efficient and we try to get more things done, but that doesn't mean we need to do more things. Sometimes we just need to be more efficient so we can do less things so that we have more free time. I mean, I know that sounds counterintuitive. I mean, one of the things that, you know, in my head and I need to fix this is looking at spending time with people as not making that a to-do item. It's not so structured or business-like. It's relational. And so that that's one of the things I'm actually working on. But it's like, well, I have a certain amount of resource, time, and energy. When's best for me to do that to where I'm spending time with family? And I've checked that off the list, you know. Mm-hmm. It sounds so sterile, and it's it's not the way I want to be. But I unfortunately still feel or that I do that or think that I do. I do. I know I do that. So but yeah, it's it's not you don't want to if you don't have to add more things in once you're doing better at being efficient and getting the right things done, you don't have to add more stuff in. So I guess that kind of follows the no. Right. Yeah. And if you could get 
if you look at a day and, and you if you could get 10 not really important things done or get one really big important thing done that is a game changer obviously that's that's the direction you should go yeah exactly and and i'm really started to really focus in on saying okay tomorrow here where are my projects at that i and where are the things that maybe i've been delegated that i need to deliver on for someone else where are the things at that I need to, to deliver on for me? You know, sometimes I'll let, you know, more than three come on there if they're smaller. But I try to think, try to say to myself, okay, and have a list. Here are the three things I need to do today and what are the priority for them? And again, it depends on what day it is and, and what time of day it is. Because again, if it's, oh, I have this one thing that I really need to like sit and think on, I'm probably going to get up out of the office and go somewhere and sit and have a notebook to where I can capture thoughts as I just sit and think and maybe drink coffee. But it's work. But if it's something else like I need to have a – this this one thing is a phone call, well, that's probably something that's on the calendar because it's a, a, spe- a specified time commitment. It's like being at a meeting. You know, you, when you mentioned saying no, that is – can be very difficult, especially for someone like me as a natural people pleaser. I, I don't like to tell people no. I'm more of a can-do person and, and will try to figure out a way to make something happen if it seems like it's important. But uh, you mentioned the word boundaries, which of course is the name of a well-known book by Dr. Henry Cloud. And he had a follow-up book that I read. I did not read boundaries, but a follow-up book called The One Life Solution, which is more of a a business-oriented book. And it did a great job of talking about setting boundaries and how to say no when you need to without necessarily ticking people off. And a lot of times boundaries, if you set boundaries correctly, you you actually uh, say no in a very nice way. A lot of requests don't even don't even come to you. Yeah, the, the boundaries thing is, it's important. Yeah, it's interesting that you landed on the same conclusion where he did, that boundaries itself, that, that principle goes a long way. Now, one thing that's interesting to, to find out what you've discovered, uh, when I started my career a couple decades ago, the Franklin Planner was huge in the area of time management. And then shortly afterwards, the, the Stephen Covey Seven Habits approach took center stage. And then about a decade ago, Getting get, getting things done, GTD from David Allen seemed to become the biggest player. And in fact, uh, my own format, my own approach is a, is a modification uh, of GTD. But what, what do you see is the dominant approach today? I'll, I'll tell you this. I really do think that GTD is still very dominant. I think it's actually continuing to grow, not just from the fact that uh, I'm seeing more of it, and I even got to interview David, but that just he's been kind of doing a resurgence in terms of the delivery method or the framing of his not not necessarily the system of GTD, but the the need for it. Um, if you if you search for his TED talk, his TEDx talk, I should say, he does a reframing of the the necessity of having some kind of system in place and <clears throat> excuse me it's it's so much more appealing than just reading the words in a book from what was it 2001 is mm-hmm. when getting things done came out the mm-hmm. book i mean we've come a long way since then it's you know what 12 years now right since the book came out it's still very dominant and i, I think one of the things is it kind of went virally 
it, it took a few years, but it came out in 2001. I heard about it in probably 04 or 05, something like that. But anyway, and at that point, it hit like a ton of bricks. It was just like, oh my gosh. At that time, I'd already had, you know, the ubiquitous capture. I'd already had like a, we didn't have smartphones necessarily at the time, but, and things were more paper-based, but I was always carrying a notebook and a pen in my pocket to write stuff down, Mm -hmm. to remember to do. Now, and, and I wasn't always that great at implementing it, but again, I've been learning this entire time. I, I think that there's a lot of overall just spread out productivity. I don't know that there's necessarily one dominant approach. I just know that GTD has still been very much in the mainstream in the forefront. I would I would actually say that I think a lot of people are more aware of that now due to the internet and due to the spread of, you know, productivity blogs and things like that, like Lifehacker and uh, other things like that. Another one that I, I highly suggest, actually, I suggest higher than Lifehacker is productivityist.com. That's somebody that I know that that does that, uh, Mike Vardy. He actually used to write for David Allen. So, <laughs> Wow. What are the most important new ideas that you've learned from your interviews and research? I, I really think that, you know, the idea that there's a an overall arch or direction long-term and not just thinking about short-term, what do I have to do today or project, what do I have to do to make sure that, you know, the garage gets cleaned or to have the garage sale, et cetera, et cetera, that it's more about having a, I'll use the word holistic, (laughs) I guess, Mm -hmm. just a whole life approach of productivity. It's not just about doing, you know, making sure that you get things done. It's about getting the right things done. I think that's a new approach to people. They, they've never considered, oh, you mean I have a choice in what I do? I can decide to be who I want to be or do what I want to do career-wise? That's just this this whole entrepreneurial thing has really come about fairly recently with the with the um, you know with with the economic stuff that happened started happening around 2008 on through to to now, about these past five years or so, just seeing a huge uptick on one smartphones, two, the the internet and people doing online businesses and three just that idea that 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 entrepreneurial spirit that has just come out of seeing other people do it and win and so i think that ultimately is what's leading rise to people saying oh you mean if i'm running my own business of 1 or 5 or you know small business I still need to know how to manage my time <laughs> mm-hmm. and and self-manage myself so I'm not burning myself into the ground and you know burning out as I get this business started. I think that's one of the things that is why there's even more of a need these days, uh, more so than ever, that people are seeking out, well, how do I self-manage? How do I manage myself and what I need to do and what I want to do? So that I can actually do those things versus just feel trapped like I did in whatever position or job I was before I became an entrepreneur. I hear a lot of that. That's interesting. And that, of course, the entrepreneurial spirit is something that even large companies are trying to push or encourage their own employees to think like entrepreneurs. And I I have to say... I've long, basically ever since my, even while I was still just a college student, I, I don't remember where I, I, I got it, but the, realized the importance of being intentional 
and not just uh, doing what seems to need to get done that day, but to take a more thoughtful, proactive approach to life. And that definitely, I guess, when I when I finally got around to reading uh, Seven Habits and books like that, that certainly encouraged that. And I didn't see a lot of that going on in people around me. But you, I think you're the first observer, I've the first person I've heard observe that this entrepreneurial spirit that has uh, become a lot more widespread has really pushed the need for that more intentional approach. That's a very interesting observation. Yeah, thanks. I I, I really just, I, I have to ask it of myself. I mean, it's if I'm going to spend my time trying to do things efficiently, then you know, it's it's of no use to do the wrong things efficiently, basically, is, is the best way to say that. So you better choose the right things first and then work on doing those efficiently. And I think we're all going to take different approaches to do that. And, and the, the approach that I like a lot is one that I've seen Michael Hyatt write and talk about, and that is having a, a quarterly review. And then um, David Allen really promotes weekly reviews, but where you basically just takes uh, some time away from your normal day-to-day rush and get reflective and be thoughtful, be, even be prayerful to make sure that, that what you do in this next period of time are, are the things that really are going to be the most important to you. And that always seems so hard to do. It's kind of like taking a vacation. You know you need to do it, and when you're doing it, you're awfully glad you're doing it, but it's so hard to carve that out of your schedule, but it, it is a worthy investment. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's one of the things that, like I said, it's, I try to do the weekly review. Sometimes it does happen. Sometimes it doesn't, but Mm -hmm. it's has more to do with overall. Do I feel like I'm on track? Am I making progress? Now let's get a little geeky, I guess. Do you, what, what are some of your favorite productivity tips or apps? Oh, whenever anybody asks me that, I always make sure that I include that I really do like writing things down with a pen on a one of those mini legal pads Mm -hmm. the the smaller ones that are about the size of like an ipad mini i keep those on my desk and i have a stack of them in a drawer too so that i've got them for later i will write stuff down on there and then i will cross it off and it just there's something that feels good about doing it analog instead of digital sometimes just to do it that way now that's not to say i don't store things digitally or have an overall you know, archive or arching theme that I keep digitally, but I always stress that there's, there's just something about doing things in that analog way. Now, some of the other things that I do use, however, to save time when I'm working digitally is I have a through and through Mac person. I've never had less headaches computer wise since I've done that. Um, I use on iOS. I use Text Expander. Actually, I use it on both. I use Mac and PC or Mac and iOS. I use Text Expander. That's where you can type in snippets of information and then pull up a little. You know, if, like if I type ITR, that can stand for like iTunes review or something like that. And so there's different things like that. So I can easily spit out a chunk of text that I, you know, I commonly reply to people with through email or whatever by just typing those, you know, three characters or, or whatever the code is. So that's one of us. Saves me a lot of time. Hmm. I am eagerly awaiting to fully adopt the OmniFocus 2 for the Mac when that comes out soon. I have it on my phone and I have it on my iPad. A friend of mine has been using it 
to manage like not just work but home life stuff mm-hmm. and it ha- has all these different contexts in it and it can do location based things and so i can say like i can do with siri and the the whole reminders thing on the iphone i can say hey siri remind me to uh add write this on the home calendar when i get home and it'll ding me when i i have like a 10, 15 minute walk to get home. When I get home, as I'm walking in the door, ding, and it shows up on my phone and I know, oh, there it is. And I can just go write it down and I don't forget to do it. So So that's another thing. That's available today? Yeah, that's actually something that Siri can do right now. Oh, okay. That's something where if you you have an iPhone and you tell, and you have Siri, Mm -hmm. you can say to Siri, you can say, remind me to call so-and-so when I get home. And as long as in your contact information, it knows that home is your address, it'll set up a little location barrier that when you get there to that location on the on the phone knows that's where it's at, it'll pop up and say ding and it'll say call so-and-so. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to try that. I didn't know it would so, do that. Yeah. Very, very cool. I, I try to do that to remind myself, you know. When there's something random like that, it's just like, okay, I've got to remember this when I get home. So how do I do that? Well, there you go. Let's see what else. 3030 is a really good one, and that's free for iOS, for the phone, and for the iPad. And what you can do with that is you can create different workflows. I use this in conjunction with doing the Pomodoro method. I'm not sure if you know what that is. It's yes. where you do you do a focused amount of time, and then you take like a five-minute break, and then you jump back in again for another 20, 25 minutes, and then another five-minute break. And you can create different variations of that plan or different. You can even just do, I know a friend of mine, Cliff Ravenscraft, I turned him onto it and he planned out his entire day that way so that he could just hit go and then it would go for the entire day and it would take him through his day. So he <laughs> loves it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm way, I'm way too spontaneous to do, to be able to do Right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't use it the way he does. I use it for specified times and tasks, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, it's not really anything other than certain things. Like I'll do – I use Dropbox to sync things across everywhere, and um, I try to not use too many tools. Like I try to make sure I'm getting the work done instead of spending the time playing around with the tools. Yeah, I am a – definitely a tool geek and and yet there definitely is a time where you realize you're wasting time on the tools themselves or researching newer and better tools i i I love to do it but i i have to limit myself because you just don't actually get things done you're too busy trying to figure out how to get things done i've been i've been guilty the same way i've played around with them way too long and so i've kind of stepped back and started to use fewer <laughs> tools. I probably like I have a couple here. I'm I'm scrolling through what's installed on my Mac, and I'm like, yep, there's that one. Didn't ever really use it. Mm-hmm. I played around with it, a couple of those, and it's just like, uh, no, I'm I'm waiting. I'm specifically waiting for the OmniFocus 2.0 to come out for Mac. It's it's in beta right now, and it's coming very very soon. But I'm kind of working through what I'm going to use it for and how I'm going to use it. And then I'm just going to full out adopt it. So my main uh, app, if you will, for that would be sort of your OmniFocus is Tootledoo. And it's, uh, I use it in conjunction with a modified approach to GTD. And I've tried a number of different apps, but this one is a nice combination of simplicity 
and power and it's it's on my Mac and it's on my iPhone and my iPad and and syncs across all those nicely and it has a nice integration with email too so if I someone sends me a task or sends me an email that essentially is a task for me I can just forward it over there and it it becomes a to-do on my list for me yeah that's a good that is I mean the thing is is that I don't know that there's any necessarily any wrong tool it's Mm-mm. just there are the it's what's the right tool for you and really sometimes it's not even about spending time on picking one or, or figuring out which one you like better it's about just picking one right. and just stick committing to it and so that's what I've done I'm waiting for the one I'm 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 working out what I'm gonna make this because OmniFocus is a super powerful tool some people won't use it because it's too powerful for them yeah it's kind of overkill but for me it's like well I'm not going to use everything in it I'm just going to use these couple things and that's what I'm working out now while I wait Eric in addition to hosting your podcast you are also widely recognized as an expert in social media now for many of us Facebook Twitter LinkedIn another social media it just seems to make a, a giant sucking sound as it consumes or can consume a seemingly endless amount of time without us even realizing it. Do you have any tips for using your time wisely in the realm of social media? Don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I always have to say that though because sometimes we we use it and we don't even have any real clue as to why we're using it. Like, oh, I guess I'm bored. I'll check Twitter. You know, it's like really isn't there something else you could do? That's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about the people who use it for a living. Like they have to, they use it to communicate with people. They do customer service or they, they post and react for brands or, or they themselves selves are a personal brand, things like that. That's fine. But that's when it comes to scheduling and routine and again, energy. Like for example, this morning I'll, I will sit and I'll pop open the, Twitter account for work and I'll go through and see if we have any mentions that I need to, you know, respond to or get information to respond to more properly. Uh, see if there's any, any mentions of the brand and some strategic searches that I've done. And, you know, all of that overall probably takes, well, it can take different amounts of time, somewhere between 15 to minutes to a half hour. And then that's done. And then I move on to something else. And, I try not to spend, you know, you have to, basically that's one of the things that I do use 3034, that app I mentioned is Mm. saying, okay, either here is my social media block of the day where I have 10, 15 minutes of where I, I am allowed to go check personal social feeds and I'll pick and choose which ones. But once that 15 minutes is up, I'm off and I got to go back and do other things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one, what are you doing there? Why are you doing it? And then two, block time out. You don't have to be online all the time, even though that's I, I, there's a misconception. I think people mm-hmm. think, well, you're doing social media. You have to be available 24-7. Well, just because it, you can receive messages like that doesn't mean you answer the phone every five seconds because people know your number. It's mm-hmm. it's more about responding timely, but maybe not right that instant. Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess one of the things that hit me in in various experiments over the years with social media is it there is an endless amount you could do. It's kind of like if you want to research a topic, now that we have the internet at our fingertips, there is an endless amount of 
research that you could do. And you, you're never really going to fully get it all done. And so you just have to limit yourself. And that that is going to, by default, put a certain pressure on you to make that time more effective. And then mm-hmm. call it done and move on. Yep. Eric, where can people find out more about you and your work? Well, the key place to go is to go to beyondthetodolist.com. That's where you can hear all the different interviews that I've done with people and more to come. And then I'm pretty probably the most active online on twitter.com slash Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. And we'll provide links to those in our show notes as well as information that uh, links to the other information that Eric talked about. Eric Fisher, host of Beyond the To-Do List, thank you for joining us on the Engaging Leader podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been great. All right, leaders, that wraps up this episode. But I'm excited to announce that the first volume of Eric's Amazon book is scheduled to be released on the same day that this podcast will be aired. So if you're listening to this, you should be able to go to Amazon right now and buy the first volume of the new book, Beyond the To-Do List by Eric Fisher. Again, that's Eric with a K. And if you like his book, I know Eric would appreciate it if you would leave him a review on Amazon. You can find our show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash 50, five zero as in episode 50. That's where we'll provide a link to Eric's book and his podcast, as well as the other resources we mentioned, the book One Life Solution, the book and TEDx talk by GTD founder David Allen, the website productivityist.com, and the apps Text Expander, OmniFocus, Toodledo, 3030, and Dropbox. And what about you? Do you have some favorite productivity tips or apps to share? Let us know at engagingleader.com forward slash 50 or Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy or at facebook.com forward slash engagingleader or on my LinkedIn profile. We would love to hear what's worked for you. Engaging Leader is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about. Mm -hmm.